What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen for NBA coverage. Remember, you like what you're hearing and you're on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, leave that comment, let us know what you're thinking. You're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. You do that, we'll keep producing that content. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about trades, the trade deadline. It's only about uh, just just over a month away, but uh, there's a few teams of late that have uh, made it very clear that they need a change, they need to make moves, and we're going to be looking at three teams from the East and three teams from the West. But before we get into it, Chris, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Settling here in Georgia, just trying to keep on track. Um, the Bulls, Kobe, and now Zach Levine. We got a win, albeit against the... We won't even say who. We'll just say we got the win, and that's fine. So I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good to see Zach back in there, but unfortunately, I think he will be a part of this conversation. But uh, excited to get into this, see who will uh, we'll pull out of the sellers and buyers list. And uh, I suspect that as soon as we drop this podcast, there's going to be something that comes up right after, so... Just be prepared. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, that's a, that's a given. A completely different trade that we didn't talk about will absolutely happen uh, as soon as this uh, as soon as soon this podcast is uploaded. But that's the uh, that's the risk that we run. Let's, uh, we'll start out in the East, okay? So the three teams we're looking at here are the Atlanta Hawks, the Brooklyn Nets, and the New York Knicks. Let's start out with the team arguably the most desperate, the team that are in the most need of saving, the Atlanta Hawks. They're in a weird situation, the Hawks. I mean, last year there was a bit of a bounce back when Quinn Schneider came in and they were like, okay, how can they get back to being a winning team? Can Trey adjust? And Trey Young's been awesome for the for the Hawks this year. Like his the numbers he's putting up have been absolutely insane. But unfortunately, as good as they are on the offensive end, they are just as equally as bad on the defensive end. Very similar to the Indiana Pacers, but almost a, a little bit, uh, I guess a little bit worse, a lot worse in, court, uh, in terms of uh, the record. So this one, the trade that I, I picked out for them was with the Chicago Bulls. Oh. oh. I went a bit of a different way. I, I think that the offense for Atlanta is going to hold up because they have Trey Young running it. So I think there's no real issues there. So the, the first option I have was DeJounte Murray and AJ Griffin for DeRozan and Alex Caruso. That's interesting. That what walk me through that. What what does what I think does they just look to I think game? getting just a solid like a, a scorer like DeRozan, a vet like DeRozan who's just going to slot in anywhere and just do what he does and getting a guy like Caruso to play playing alongside of Trey Young who's just not a good defender, never going to be a good defender. And you start add Caruso in there, a guy who's all about defense. He can instantly make a huge defensive impact. He can, for the most part, guard the best player on on the other team in, in key situations. So that would be that was my thinking there. They the defense is the biggest hole for them. Tough to find that two way player, especially mid season. But getting a guy like Caruso, who's just defense, 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 doesn't need touches on the offensive end, nothing like that. All he is is defense, and you're also getting that scoring. Uh, element back in with DeRozan. I think it's just a, a smart move for them. Might not change anything dramatically, but I think it would definitely improve them, especially in games where they're they're in uh, going face-to-face with teams in the clutch. Yeah. it. This is kind of the complicated thing about Trey, and I think we, we deserve to be critical of our trades here, so let, we'll, I'll start off by being critical, because one thing I, I think that would be tough about um, the whole DeJounte trade is 
you want you want to look for for a trade that gets you somebody who works next to Trey Young because the whole the whole expectation was that there was going to be some evolution of Trey that would make it work next to Dejounte, which hasn't happened. It's been a lot of your turn, my turn, and it's not led to team success. So I guess I'm curious to see like you know we've seen a little bit of that with Zach Levine and and Marta Rosen, um, not necessarily in, in a bad way. I, I think Zach Levine can play as a and is a excellent off ball player. So that's where DeRozan was able to work. Um off ball, it'll be tough. And I think what 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 Atlanta will have to consider is um how much how much do you get better from that? How much do you how much do you get better? And DeMar DeRozan when he's in the right situation, I think what will lead to winning on a playoff team. Um but that that's interesting, just a change of scenery. And I think maybe it's like trying to clean up your books a little bit too. I think the biggest part of this is that DeRozan is an expiring contract and you get a chance to, you know, still possibly get better, but also reset a little bit because the whole long-term vision of Murray and um, Trey isn't working out. I'll give you that. And AJ Griffin, are, are you, has the emergence of Jalen Johnson kind of, maybe made the future thought of AJ Griffin a little bit on the back burner. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're not really, you're not really too concerned about what he's going to develop into because of how Johnson has developed, but that one kind of hurts too. And, and I, I wonder if they would come looking for, for a little bit more from the bulls. I love this trade for me. I, I think the re- my, my instant reaction to it was like, Oh yeah. And that almost tells me that's a little bit too sweet, but I like mm-hmm. it. AJ Griffin is a great young talent. Yeah, and then I went. Uh, there's another option there that I had. I, I had uh, if the Hawks would give up Hunter, Bufkin, Griffin, and Fernando just to kind of make the money work, and then possibly a first round pick for DeRozan and Crusoe if they didn't want to include Dejounte in uh, in 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 that deal. Mm. I think I think that's that. That would make more sense in terms of like going in on defense. Like, dude, like, first thing you have to think about is combining both Caruso and DeJounte on the floor. Like, you can – you're you'll be creating so much offense through your defense from that perspective. And I think that – I still think the Bulls would – the Bulls would still probably take that, given you're, you're still getting some young talent back. If you're getting a pick, if you're getting picks out of that, then, then I think that's where that starts to work. There's a lot of – a lot of mouths to feed then in, in Chicago to develop some of these guys, but um, that would make a lot more sense for the Hawks, I, I think. Um, yeah, that was kind of well, the more realistic one, I think. That uh, yeah. when I when I was kind of putting it together in my head, and then also they could they could move on Dejounte in a, in a different trade if they if they wanted to do that as well. Yeah, it, it's it's funny, man. When you try to make trades for the Hawks, that was a tough assignment for you because you know it's hard to figure like who is Trey gonna fit with, and you kind of have to lean towards maybe uh, more off-ball guys and off-ball stars in this league are really tough to come by. Yeah, yeah, big time. That's that's a that's a problem that the Hawks need to uh, need to try and figure out. But uh, moving on to the next team, Brooklyn Nets. This one was was slightly tough. I'm kind of stealing this from you from last week, but this when I when I thought about it, it was kind of the one that made the most sense, and it's. Pascal Siakam going to the to the Brooklyn Nets. The mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nets giving up 
I'm thinking maybe Cam Johnson and two first round picks, possibly. Maybe that's a bit, maybe that's a bit too much. But I think Cam Johnson, two first round picks for Pascal Siakam. You get the playmaking in, the the two way, the two way play, the size. And I think a guy like Siakam could open up things a bit more for the likes of Cam Thomas and Mikael Bridges as well. So they they're right now. But would you even consider them a like a second round team right now? No, right? No, obvious. What what does that push them toward? I guess I, I think that pushes them towards being being competitive in a, in a in a playoff series. Actually, putting together some something of a run for the rest of the season to to maybe at least up until maybe like. March or so be pushing towards getting that that top six seed. They're four and a half games back on uh, on the Cavs at the moment, so like that's a pretty big gap. But I think that Siakam, I think the, what what he could offer in terms of uh, the playmaking that he has, in terms of the ball handling to get more open looks and better looks for the likes of Ta- Cam Thomas and Mikael Bridges, I think would be important. And I think like you look at the like the shooting percentage from Mikael Bridges this year has been really poor. I think a guy like Siakam could really Help that turn it turn it upwards for for Mikhail. I think that's what really unlocks this team. Really getting bridges popping off is what really unlocks this Brooklyn Nets team. I mean, looking at Dinwiddie, Bridges, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Pascal Siakam, Nick Claxton, starting five. That so this is an easy game to play. Does that make you better than the Cavs? I think it has you matching up pretty nicely with them, yeah. I would say so. Does that make you better than the Pacers? Maybe not, but also there's a there's always the you never know with the Pacers. The way the Pacers are, they can just as easily uh, win seven games in a row as they can lose seven games in a row. So the Pistons are always kind of, or the Pacers rather, are always kind of a tough one. Yeah, um, and also like I, I won't, I won't rule out a post all-star break turnaround from the defense i just from a talent perspective i i still still don't understand and all it takes is maybe some front court depth having siakam out there and does that click things for them defensively does that um bring them another weak side help defender does that bring them another switchy uh big wing that they can put out there and does that all of a sudden unlock the defense they should be and then all of a sudden you're talking all right this is a team that showed they could be top 10 level offense and now you got like a borderline top 10 level defense i think just given what we've seen from the Pacers struggling when they really get pressured uh by an opposing defense and still can't make stops the nets could argue that magic are they better than the magic with siakam in that lineup yeah i think they are i i think so. i mean i think everyone's sleeping on siakam when siakam is let loose and i think with the nets the unique situation there is that there isn't I don't think there's a set hierarchy right now. And that's why teams like that tend to struggle. Mm-hmm. And Siakam, I think, makes it in focus. It's him and Bridges. Everyone else get in line. We're pushing in the playoffs. Like, we got a guy. I mean, he is a all-NBA level player. And he's in a situation now where he's not able to show that. And Brooklyn, I mean, absolutely, he'd be featured that way. So I I don't know if they're a playing team with Siakam on the team, honestly. Um if you can get Bridges back on track, if you get that defense back on track with Siakam, I mean, I, I buy that. And I buy the – and the reason I ask all that is two first-round picks for a team like this is scary, very scary. Um, 
but and especially you're losing Cam, maybe one. You can get one there. Mm. Yeah, that's a more yeah. a deal you can stomach, but that's the price to pay to really get more competitive in the Eastern Conference. And you know, I, they'd probably look to the New York Knicks. I, we want to be on that level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think obviously uh, a big part of it, I think the, the Raptors would, would love that sort of deal. I think Cam Johnson is exactly the type of guy, mm-hmm. like you mentioned last week, exactly the type of guy oh, yeah. that, that the Raptors would uh, would love to have on their roster. So yeah, I think in terms of a, a trade that could really work for both teams, I, I definitely think that that's a, that, that'd be a nice fit. Yeah, I, I love the idea that like that the Raptors, I, I hope the Raptors make a quick turnaround here and do trade Siakam and, and have, I think there's a lot of value to to see what you got for a half a season. Cause so many teams are constantly pivoting. Um, I mean, there's look half the Lakers roster, like all these new faces, th- those are guys that might be traded and they just got signed last year. Like it's not, it's not a bad thing to try to get ahead and, and start to evaluate what you have and, and get a guy like that in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's uh, let's go on to the final team then on the East, the New York Knicks. These are, the least, the least desperate of all the three teams that we're going to talk about in the Eastern Conference here, are probably the, the three the first time teams that we're going to yeah, first we're going to talk about all of them. Yeah, obviously they made their their first move, which was getting OG Adenobi in. Looks like a great fit. They've gone four and zero since he's uh, joined the team. They're looking better. Randall and Brunson still performing at high level with him in the team, and he hasn't really even got going yet in terms of uh, offensively, which is obviously great signs. Now it's like, okay, they still need that superstar trade. Unfortunately, <laughs> always, always. that superstar trade is not is not out there. It, it is not out there. The only superstar trade that's really out there that the Knicks should actually be pursuing is Joel Embiid, and that isn't going to happen. All I will say is Fournier, Robinson, DiVincenzo, four first-round picks, Joel Embiid, come on over. But that is not going to happen. I don't see the him wanting out. I don't see Philly looking to to deal him. But size, a, a legit big man that can score is the main thing that I think the Knicks really need for what the roster is at this moment. And that's just not out there. And there's o- other options like a Levine, like a Donovan Mitchell, but... I don't really see what sort of difference that that really makes for this team. Yeah, it might help them a little bit, but in the long term, I think they'll still remain a team that maybe could get into the second round, maybe could one-off make a finals run or Eastern Conference finals run. Being realistic, what they should do now, I think, is look at adding a guy that can replace the scoring off the bench that we lost with Emmanuel quickly. And I think the two options they should look at there are... Jordan Clarkson and Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, I think both we could get both of those guys for I think Fournier and a first round pick, and maybe you have to throw in like maybe a, a Jericho Sims or 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 a Deuce McBride in there as well, just kind of sweeten the pot just a little bit. But I think maybe not with Clarkson, but I think if the Blazers got a first round pick for Brogdon, I feel like they would take it, and I think he'd be a he'd be a great addition to the to the second unit and a guy that could fill in and start a minutes as well. So I think he'd be a nice upgrade to something that the Knicks lost when they uh when they dished IQ, but it wouldn't really change the dynamic too much with them. Yeah, bro I mean Brogdon is he fits so many I, I can't believe that he won't be traded by the the deadline because he fits so many teams and what they need. I mean he's he's a Swiss Army knife. I mean you, you put him in and he's going to take care of the ball. He's going to facilitate. I mean he's been on a tear offensively and I mean defensively too. I, I think you, you get enough where you're not 
you're not really worried on that end. Um, would you? Would you? I, rather I think they. I would say. I would say. I think they need to do that because I think both Brunson and Randall's minutes have been upped significantly since the 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 trade. So I feel like it, that sort of pickup might be important if they don't really have that belief in the the likes of uh, of of McBride and Grimes to kind of cover minutes as well. Yeah, for for a big. Shouldn't Detroit be trading a big? Didn't we call Detroit? Hey, give me, give me a snag, Isaiah Stewart or something. He's our superstar, is he? <laughs> I mean, they, they will never, they will never. He's, he's too important to them for some reason. But Clarkson would clearly be the cheaper option. Brogdon, you know, he's going to cost you a pick or two, and knowing the the kind of protections that are on the Knicks picks too. Um, what if you just went super small? What if you went for uh, marketing? Markman, yeah, all the picks, yeah. all the picks. That would, that would take a lot of. I mean, you, you know, it's Danny Age. Yeah, Danny Age loves loves his draft picks. I don't know. I'm not sure what. I actually, I never even thought of that. I didn't. I would have to look it up. See what they like money wise. How that work? But I, yeah, I mean, he's not. It wouldn't be a bad option. I mean, it's like I was saying. It's like there's like an, it's like there's enough scoring there. Whether it it's legit and whether Randall can really do it in the playoffs, that continues to be the main thing. Maybe it's kind of wait and see this year. Wait, wait and see how Randall does in the playoffs this year. Then look at things in the summer. I think that's what the Knicks should do. But I think if the opportunity arises at this moment, they 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 might just bite the bullet and uh, and go for it and be like be realistic and think that superstar just isn't going to come in the next few years for us. Yeah, the superstar, and, they, and they might well be right. Yeah, the superstar is is Jalen Brunson. He's their offensive superstar, and I I think that you're gonna be able to rely on that. And maybe you don't get it from Randall, but then maybe you can get something out of OG. You get something from the shooting there, and you get a guy like Brogdon, a guy who's gonna really thrive off the bench. Um, I I'm very I'm very much down for that Brogdon trade, and I think they should start jettisoning jettisoning some of these first round picks as they. I mean, these are picks that will lose value as time goes on. Um, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. I'm down for that. I, I think they really they really need to make a push to to get another playmaker, another guy in the perimeter. He needs there's not gonna be one guy who really fixes things and you're just gonna have to hope, like you said, like at the end of the day, this trade for OG does a lot more for the team. And we're already seeing that. Like you guys without and the small sample size alert. Everyone calm down. But in four games. New York Knicks have a defensive rating of 104. Without him, 32 games, 117. Offensively, already seeing things open up. Already seeing assists tick up. That spacing. You're already seeing uh, three-pointers tick up. That three-point percentage tick up. 123 offensive rating with him. 118 without. So if if this is early signs of the improvement with OG and you're just kind of improving on the margins, I mean, I totally, I totally agree with that. Keep getting depth for the playoffs, and I'm with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, exactly. Yeah, that's that's that'll be the smart thing, and I think that's what I think that's what the Knicks are really kind of gearing towards. I think they're going to be the guys they have in the front office at, at the moment. They're not going to do anything, anything that doesn't that doesn't make sense for the for the future. I think they're they're they've got some smart heads in there at the moment. Yeah, so. That was our three out east. There's gonna be, I mean, so many more. Like, the rumors are just gonna tick up as we go on. Um, we can go. It, it's funny if you try to look up any uh, eastern cut, like any trade rumors. Like the first three names you see are all Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> like 
He goes DeRozan, Levine, Caruso, Vooch. Like apparently we're trying to trade our whole team, even though there are front office we'll talk about that. But um the Vooch one was interesting for me. I was like, I don't know who's taking his contract or who's figuring to to work him in, but the Bulls all of a sudden not looking great without him, I think shows a lot about the team does not have an offensive system. Hey Pistons, do you wanna do you wanna playmaking center? Just saying. He's clearly the reason why the Bulls went on the run. But I digress. Let's go out west, shall we? Let's go. Um, your boy LeBron, he, dude, dude, he does not look happy. Is this the unhappiest he's been? There's so many moments in LA, but is this the unhappiest he's looked? Probably, LA? yeah, because I think he he kind of feels as healthy as he has since the 2020 season. And I think there's certain moments that you watch and he gets so pissed off with certain guys, like certain like guys like Cam Reddish missing wide open threes again and again. Guys just not clued into his like ability to make passes and his his reads and they're just he just I feel like he's definitely in a position right now where he feels like he's playing with guys that are below his level and he is absolutely not happy at all. Yeah. And it's funny that when reporters are asking about it, they're like so what does uh LeBron James do in this situation? Like, basically, when are you gonna demand that people get traded? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you know, do what I always do: stay positive and show it to work. I mean, what you always used to do was make sure that something happens on the front office end, but that's neither here nor there. What we're talking about is a trade that we would do. And honestly, this is not news. This is not groundbreaking. I did not reinvent the wheel that's been turned and turned and turned all season long. It's the Zach Levine wheel. And it's one that has been rolling, honestly, for the past couple of years. And it just makes too much sense. And I really think that everything is posturing. It's all posturing. When you hear teams say things like, this team is hesitant to take on fill-in-the-blank player's contract. It's not because they don't want the player. It's because they don't want to pay that much. And the reality is, is like everything has to be held equal to what the team's goals are. And the Lakers' goals are to keep LeBron James in L.A. and win a championship with him. I mean, this dude is showing, like, if he wanted to sign another one-year contract and go go for it again, they would do it. Like, they would run it back. Like, he's still that good. And you can still do things with LeBron James as your best player. You can still win a championship with him as your best player easily. And the thing is, like, they don't have – they still don't have that guy who can create his own shot, who can be an elite off-ball shooter. And you look across the league, who is selling that guy? OG was one of them, and he's not even close to the dynamic movement uh, shooter that Zach Levine is. Not even close to a guy who can really penetrate the paint. And, I mean, not even really, I would consider him a secondary playmaker. So who who is that guy? Zach Levine's pretty much the only one consistently on sale in this league that is an all-star level player that you could argue, okay, now now we can rock with that. Because if you look at these other trades like Buddy Heald, sure. Buddy Heald, he's going, he's going to improve your perimeter shooting, but he's not really going to address uh, you know, self-creation. He's not going to really uh, um, address scoring the fast break. And defensively, I would like Zach Levine is a good on-ball defender. That has been proven time and time again. Off-ball defense, sure. You got Anthony Davis back there. So all that to say, like, we're still here. And I think what ends up pushing this that end, and this is like kind of my take on it, if I'm adding my own flavor to this trade, 
I think you really are going all in on a win this season. And that means getting Caruso back in LA. So getting those two guys, it's going to take a lot. It's in like, when you, when you think about it, yes, Vincent, Prince, Rui, Dilo for the money, it's got to take the two first round picks. Mm-hmm. And that is the most painful part of this is like, it's, it's this hypothetical idea that those picks are going to be worth a lot. And yes, they probably will be, but they have to hold that up against LeBron James, the second best player of all time, playing in LA, frustrated as hell, has no other help. And this is really your only option to get out. Is a guy who's won a championship with LeBron and the only guy that's available in this league at that level of talent that can actually fix things on the offensive end for them. So, and they get to keep Reeves. That's the third part of this is like yeah. keeping Austin Reeves while acquiring that level of talent is the biggest part of this because Reeves has been such a plus for them and, and he will need to, you know, he's had a rocky start to the season, but he's going to be very, very essential for them to really make a, another run at the championship. Um, so what's at you? Is is that are are the Lakers that desperate to give up those uber valuable two first round picks for Levine and Caruso? Because you know <laughs> they're 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 sending Rui, D'Lo, Prince, and Vincent on the next plane. That those players are not really they're expendable at this point. Everybody is expendable. Yeah, I mean everyone's expendable when you're kind of moving towards uh moving towards that championship. And like Rui, unfortunately, has shown this year that he is. He is what he is. Like, yeah, he had those nice flashes in the in the postseason last year, but unfortunately, he's that guy who's for the most part isn't really gonna deliver consistently for you. D'Lo is is still D'Lo, still not great in defense, still hit and miss with his shot. And unfortunately, that's just come home to roost. I mean, they they earned they earned what they got last year. They they did a great job to to push that team towards Western Conference Finals, which is what they ultimately got. And unfortunately, they got paid, and then they're they're not really they're not really showing up to those same levels again. One thing I will say is I I still believe that even if this Lakers team stays as it is, as long as they're in the playoffs, they still will be competitive in the playoffs. Because I think, like we saw in the in season tournament, when the game slows down a little bit, when things are that there's a bit more tension in the air, I think that's where this Lakers team kind of thrives. And that's why I think they're still going to be in a better position to to succeed in the playoffs. Like I would only say 100% the Clippers and the Nuggets are the only teams that 100% would do better than the the Lakers in the playoffs at this stage, even as bad as the Lakers are playing. Because I just think the team is built for, for playoff success. But I don't think they want to go through the plan. I think they want to get up and be in the top six in this Western Conference. And if they want to do that, I think Levine and Caruso has to be done. Yeah, I think the, the going back to the players real quick um, about especially with with Rui, it, it's a shame because I think we we ended last season very different perspective. Like, oh, we got some guys. Oh, we got some more guys. Like, we already know what our depth is. We know that these are players that will be consistently X, and then they're not. And a little bit has been like some some small injuries, but. Um, yeah, disappointing to, to see that that's not the case. And for for the purpose of, you know, their their goal being the plane is not an option. I mean they just they can't they can't risk that. And ultimately you need to be able to have an argument like we can make it through the nuggets. Because mm-hmm. I mean that that sweep was not a flip like they they simply like laid off shooters. They they created a wall and 
you know, at the end of the day, like the Nuggets still have enough people. They they they've proven that they've revamped their depth. They they have a real defense that's going to compete for another championship. And can they stop Yoke from doing what they did? No, but they need to be able to keep their offense up. Like their offense died, and they did not have any anybody to go toe to toe with Jamal Murray. Anybody to really be stretching the defense out, get them scrambling, and they still don't. And if they don't have that guy come uh, Western Conference Finals, they're not going to make it there. Like straight up, like the the other teams in in the West, I think they they could survive with that. But really, when it comes down to it, it's all about can you get through the Nuggets because Jokic is going to be knocking on that door again. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and at this moment, absolutely not. They they've not they're not they're they're arguably a worse team as much as like LeBron is arguably playing a little bit better. AD is definitely playing the better in terms of two way guy, but in terms of like the outside of that. They're 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 still they're still way off of the of the Nuggets and the only real realistic trade that's out there is a Levine and if you you got to do the combo with Caruso I think that that's what they should be pursuing I think just a Levine trade I don't know what they would be at being asked to give up but I think they should definitely be forcing it to be a, a combo there. So next guy, our team rather, um, I'm saying guy because John Moran is clearly the the Memphis Grizzlies. He's brought some life back to them. Um, I don't think that they're really fully shown yet. You know, they they've not fully reachieved their their level of offense that you'd expect them to have. Do we qualify them as like a must trade team? Like they they are a team that must. I mean, none of these teams are must, but based on what we what we perceive, like right now, they are twelve and 23, 13th place. They're five games out of the play-in. So they're kind of there, but it's it's gonna be neck and neck. They might not make the play. I mean, just based on the fact you got you got the Lakers, another team right there. So on a scale of zero to ten, ten being absolutely zero being like not at all, obviously. What is your number level of I'm feeling like, like six, six and a half, maybe I feel like half? I'm kinda yeah. there, yeah. I'm kinda there. But I, I think they, they get seven games behind, they get eight eight games behind, then you're like, oh. Yeah, because I think one thing that's that's constantly coming up is the strength of the 2024 draft class and what is the value of that pick. And that value is just going to keep going down as as a, as the college season goes on and, and scouting reports become a little bit more firm and there clearly isn't anybody except for Nikola Topic that anyone cares about. And why keep that pick? So for me, they were a team that I looked at like, they could do something by trading that pick and trying to stay relevant in the playoff hunt. Because right now, if they made it into the first round, who are they beating? Like, are they are they beating the Timberwolves in a first round series? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. That that's dude. I'm I am a John Rand guy. I am a Grizzlies guy. But the Timberwolves have been too good. Timberwolves have been too good. Are they beating the Thunder? I guess you'd have to say no, but like we, I said before, kind of we'll wait and see on Thunder in the playoffs. Yeah, just yeah, wait and see, right? It's, no. it's it's no no playoff experience. Um, but I mean, who's the best player? And again, Shea, Shea puts <laughs> that that is actually really interesting. Uh, comparing the two, Shea versus Ja, and then you got Holmgren versus Jaron Jackson Jr. I think exactly. I know exactly who I'm picking over that. Um. But I, I think there there's seriously like a difference in talent right now that is meaningful beyond just catching up. 
And it doesn't matter if you get Brandon Clark back. It doesn't matter if Steven Adams magically gets better. Um, they're, they're missing something. So my, my trade idea was to get another veteran there um, and really beef up, uh, no pun intended, their front court. And I think that the Pistons are in a great position to do this. Uh, Boyan and Isaiah Stewart, a.k.a. Beef Stew, for Kennard and Zaire Williams and a top five protected 2024 first round pick. I mean, it gives them a, a great, I mean, Boyan is super underrated for, for being able to play make out of, uh, off the wing. He's not just a guy who's going to stand there and catch and shoot, but he's going to be able to probe the paint. He's going to be able to, you know, be, I think a better, more responsible playmaker than Marcus Smart at times. And he's going to be an option to really lead the offense in a way that you can't really get from the wing anywhere else. And I, I really hate sending Zaire out of there, but I just think he needs a new change of scenery. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Detroit is the place, but <laughs> but he's a guy that hasn't hasn't popped the way I thought. So what what say you? Moyan and, and Isaiah Stewart, does that kind of even the odds a little bit, give them a little bit more juice? Yeah, I, I love that trade, to be honest. I think that's the favorite trade either of us have come up with so far today. I really like that. Nice. I think that's a really uh that's a really smart move. I think it's it's one that works because I think the the Pistons are still a team that are happy to uh, have have uh, draft assets they're still a team that hasn't figured out who their best team is and i think they know that at some stage bogdanovich is going to move on like he's not going to be there when throughout this whole rebuilding period that they're still going through they get a a young piece in, in zaire who could who could pop into some something of a role player maybe we we expected that in memphis we haven't we haven't seen it of yet and I think the the size, the scoring, the playmaking that you get in from from Stewart and and Bogdanovich, I think that that definitely makes me more confident in the in the Grizzlies sustaining a run that can that can drive them towards the playing come uh, come April. Yeah, and I think those are those are guys that kind of fits like they fit the Grizzlies style and their vibe. Like Isaiah Stewart, absolutely, I, I think he fits that that physical style, and he. They really need someone who's going to be tough on the boards after losing Adams. And I don't know when Adams will even come back. Um, but being prepared to, to have a guy like that in the playoffs is necessary. And Boyan, I, I don't know if there's a, going to be a bidding war, but I mean, Boyan is a guy that I think checks a lot of boxes for a lot of teams. So he's a guy that's definitely going to be valuable. Yeah, I think someone someone's definitely gonna have to to pick him up. I'd I'd be a little not not shocked, but a little bit surprised if he's still with uh, still with Detroit after after the deadline. Hey, you never know. Unless they go on a little run here, they go on a little run here. Maybe uh, they can Now the Warriors, the big one. So I think we've already established they're not trading Clay. They're not trading Draymond. That's not ever ever happened. Yeah, there's there's too much politics there for that to ever happen. So we know that the big big trade probably won't happen in terms of breaking up the core. But, you know, now that you have Chris Paul down, now that you still really need front court depth, that, that, that's something that they've struggled with. Um, hopefully they make this trade before your fake trade happens because I think that Brogdon and Jeremy Grant are two guys that are for sale. The, the Blazers clearly need to make room in their backcourt. Um, Jeremy Grant doesn't fit the timeline, kind of a weird situation where he he signs and then you know dame is gone so what does that take that takes wiggins chris paul and i think that takes a top 10 first round protected uh pick in 2025 um 
maybe is that enough? Two picks might be a, a steep, a steep, steep price. I don't know how many first round picks are gonna be shelled out for for Jeremy Grant. I just don't know who's in the market really for that. Except for like the Warriors need a uh, Andrew Wiggins, who can actually be Andrew Wiggins, and Jeremy Grant is essentially <laughs> showing that right now. I mean, I I don't know what's going on with him. Wiggins is just clearly falling off, and Jeremy Grant's still showing that he can still create an offense, and he's still a great defender, still a great one-on-one defender, and I think he's going to provide exactly what they had from Wiggins uh, defensively uh, when they're making their run. So what's say you, Brogdon and Jeremy Grant, does that offer enough, you know, playmaking and offer enough uh, revitalization of their defense and creation from Grant? Does that fit in there? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it does. I think it, it offers them something they don't really have at this moment. I think it, it beefs up the team more than I think just one player could do. And I think it fills gaps where where they need. I think it would it would provide that bit of extra balance to the team. I think you like Brogdon's just Mister Mister Reliable, Mister Steady Eddie. Like he's he'd be a great addition to this Warriors team. And I think Jeremy Grant would be a good upgrade. I think he'd be someone they can rely on a bit more compared to like obviously Kaminga spoken out about his displeasure. Obviously Wiggins has kind of fallen off. I think what you can get from Jeremy Grant is a bit more consistent. And once the consistency is there and you have Draymond back, the defense beefs up a bit. Then you start to look at the team and go, okay, Warriors are kind of ready here. Not not usually one for a team that, that likes to make moves mid-season or anything like that, but I think uh, they know they're in a pretty, as close to desperate as the Warriors have been in a, in a long time. And I think a trade like that, that makes sense. If a team called about if a team called about Brandon Pajemski, would they hang up the phone? No, no. I think, unfortunately, they're in a similar position to what the Lakers are in. They're an aging team, but they're they're trying to get whatever juice they can left out of this team to really try to push with uh, with Steph Curry for as long as they can. So I don't think anyone outside of Clay and Draymond is uh, is uh, untouchable. I think they're, they're going to hear a call for anything. One thing I would say is possibly you, you, you feel like the the Blazers would want to get two firsts if they're giving up Grant and Brogdon. I feel like they'd want a first for each one of those players. But yeah. the vet addition of Chris Paul, what Wiggins showed for a few uh, for a season, for a season in uh, in Golden State, yeah. he's like, not going to demand the ball. You know that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I guess it depends what sort of value the Blazers place on that. But I feel like they they'd want they'd want to get two firsts in that in that deal. Yeah, 2025 would be the first, and then they would have to be 2025 and 2027. It would basically you'd have to be arguing like that is essentially putting them back in the on track to win a championship. And it's the Warriors are another tough team. You know, hot, we said the talks are tough to predict, but the Warriors are especially tough because of the unique style that they play. And you don't know who can really, really fit in that. Who who is really going to intuitively be able to play off of Clay, off of Curry? really fit into their schemes of, of setting the picks at the right timing, cutting at the right time, really playing off of Draymond as well in the short roll. Like those are all little things. And you'd have to expect it has to be better. It has to be those kind of guys. And I guess that's why Brogdon and Grant fit the role, but there's no really perfect trade for them here. Um, and unless it, it's honestly, this is, it's a simple, but unless Clay Thompson comes back to who he was and, Unless Draymond figures it out from that end, uh, I don't think there's a trade that's going to save them. But 
you, you hope that if they get a little bit of depth, they get they get a little bit more size. And I think that that's what Grant offers. Grant offers better size, and they need that. Um, and Kaminga, I don't know what to do about Kaminga because I want to see Kaminga on a different team. I want to see him successful in another situation. But I just looking across the league, I don't think anyone's out there like seeking to acquire. Like there's there's plenty of young wings out there guys very much like him that are still trying to grow in their own role there. And he just hasn't had a chance to show enough there. And I, I feel like it's sad to say, but I feel like Moody and Kaminga are approaching like a junction of their career where they haven't had enough opportunity to grow where they may not ever even reach that. And this whole dream of bridging the gap that they had before just may be a waste of a couple of very talented young guys. And I don't know if this trade deadline will fix that for them or for the Warriors, but it's um it's kind of like the worst of both worlds right now where they're not competing and their young guys are just failing to grow there it's sad one one thing i did see is apparently the jazz are are a team that are very fond of jonathan kaminga so i don't know if there's any sort of uh, what any sort of move that can be done there even if they made that move for for grant and brogdon and then got in a couple of Got back a couple of uh, a pick maybe uh for, for trading Jonathan Kaminga. I don't know if that's something that uh that could uh, that could happen, but uh we shall see. One 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 final question then for you. Out of the teams we discussed here, which team do you believe is the most savable? Oh, that's a good that's a good one. Um, Lakers. We'll, we'll do process of elimination. Lakers or sorry, Warriors. No. Um. I man, it's got. I mean, it's got to be. The Lakers, right? It it has to be the Lakers. Hawks and who's the least savable? I'll, I'll posit it that way. I think Warriors and Hawks are the least savable, mm-hmm. in my opinion, based on how they're built. Um, Lakers, I think, turn this around pretty much immediately. If you woke up tomorrow and Zach Levine and Crusoe are on your team, like that, I think that vaults them into a top four team to, in the West. Like going forward. I think they they would be on a crazy pace. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I think it's just, yeah, they got the moment. They're just stuck. Just can't shoot. Can't can't move. <laughs> so slow when they when they play. This looks awful. They need they need that switch, and I think that switch is there. And that's that's the big thing. Usually, it's not there. It wasn't really there for them last year. I feel like it is there for them this year. That real yeah. that real switch. Who who do you think is going to be the team that should make a trade that won't make a trade? Ooh, that's interesting. I mean, I guess probably the Nets. Hmm. I feel like they they're kind of falling. Uh, they're, they're, there's a gap is is, is starting uh, between the uh, the top. I think was the top six teams in the uh, or the top eight teams, I should say, in the in the East and. I think they are in a position where not that they're desperate that they have to do it this year, but I think there's enough talent there and enough senior seniority there that they they shouldn't be allowing a season to just go by without uh, without trying things. But I, I feel like that yeah. that's the way it could go. Yeah, I mean, right right in that conversation, obviously the Bulls would would the Cavs be making a mistake to not make a trade? Zero trades by the deadline. Mm, I would say yes, but at the same time, like I wouldn't. There, there isn't really a trade out there. I was like, that's what they need to do. That's where they. That's where they need to go with this. 
that's the that's the only thing the way I would think about that. What what about uh what about the Pistons? There's so many teams that I'm like, what they 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 need to Pistons could do anything. I don't know what the what like there's no answer for the Pistons. <laughs> Pistons are just decline. Pistons decline. Just, I decline yeah, answers. Yeah, I, I declined to answer per my Fifth Amendment rights there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what one guy that you did not address that I was hoping you would is a guy who will now be making what is it? He'll be on his four-year, two hundred thirty-five million dollar contract next season. Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously, he's proven that he's part of the winning culture there. He's part of the winning plans. He's playing defense. He's attacking the rim. He's really showing to be a multi-dimensional player that he is. But he's going to cost a whole heck of a lot. Would you be shocked if they moved on from Cat to avoid paying that repeater tax? No. Mm, mid. I, I'd be I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be kind of like, oh. And then kind of like, oh, yeah, kind of it, it kind of adds up. Just yeah, for the the fit in New York. Ah, oh, I just I would just want, like obviously you know I want I want Embiid. Obviously that's who I want. It's just not realistic, but that's who I want. I want I want a guy that can average us. I want a guy that can average like 17, 18 points a game. Would also get us 10, 12 rebounds a game. Play just be a legit rim protector. I want a a, a better version of of a Mitchell Robinson. That's that's kind of what I what I'm aiming for. I just don't know if Cap provides exactly what this team is necessarily looking for. But at the same time. The spacing that he provides would be good for this team. It could work, but I'm still not convinced that it would really change things. Similar to like a Donovan Mitchell or a Zach Levine. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, any closing thoughts on the current trade market? And well, we just mentioned them now. Maybe they'll happen an hour from now. We've we've clearly established that. Yeah, I mean, like it's just just it, it's fun. I mean, it's cool that there is. Guys who seem really available, and like that's that that that's the weird thing. Like, I feel like every year a randomer comes out that we weren't expecting that gets traded, but this year it just feels like there's a lot of guys out there that are available. There's a lot of teams that need to make moves, and that should make for exciting viewing over the, over the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I I really I think this might be the most active. In my, it can, it has to be. There's so many teams that can argue that they can win a championship this year, as was last year. But the there hasn't been a guy like Pascal Siakam just right there in your face. I I think maybe I'm just having an overly positive view on Zach Levine, but a real game changer for the Lakers. Even though they're talking about not liking his the way his contract is structured, but teams that can really fix themselves, like LeBron James, that sounds like a perfect story right there. Um, my my main thought is, will Kyle Kuzma get traded from the Wizards? <laughs> that's what that's my last closing thought. A guy who's like he's having quietly a career year. He's looking really good. Does anyone want Kyle Kuzma? Nobody wants Kyle Kuzma. He's just gonna stay with, in Washington. He's just gonna keep doing his podcast out there, just chilling. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's that's how it could go, but I. I mean, I guess it's just what what the cost would be. What would they want from? I feel like they'd want two first round picks. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Nobody's calling that. I feel like he would. What they they'd want that for him. Like he he's a guy. I feel like they 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 want to build around. So I think that's that's why I think he might end up staying there. 
for just just price wise, they're not that desperate to 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 move on from him. So yeah, I think price wise might might keep him in, might keep him Washington. But hey, what do I know? Huh? Maybe send him back to L.A. Get get him and Caruso back in L.A. and then <laughs> you you finally have exactly what you needed. Call up Denver if if uh, KCP is available. But yeah, that about I think that does it here. I think I think we hit most of them and. There's so much more Pelicans. Even we didn't get a chance to really figure out their Hornets. They're <laughs> not figuring out the Hornets. Hornets will soak forever. That's just that's just simple. There's Kings, some roster Pelicans, enigmas in this league, man. Yeah. There's some roster. Kings and, and Pelicans are both teams that they they need something. What that something is, not 100 percent sure. Maybe they maybe they know. Maybe they'll make moves. But uh, the teams we discuss, can they be saved? Will do they want to be saved? Will they make moves? It's definitely something to keep an eye on. Lots of teams that need to make trades. Lots of potential all-star caliber players that are going to be available. The trade deadline just about a month away. Going to be exciting. We'll be keeping you up to date on all of that and more. But going to finish up for today. Chris, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you all so much for listening. Remember, we are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And most importantly, remember, take every shot and love every moment. Peace out. Also, great J. Cole reference. That's a J. Cole reference. They don't want to be saved. That was not a J. Cole reference, but I just... just No, no, that was a J. Cole. I got to give you credit for that. (laughs)